Hello, welcome to the logical conclusion of podcasting. I'm Rob. Uh, I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm Butch. And we have a lovely special guest with us today, if she'd like to introduce herself. Hello, I'm Jordana from Tasmania, Australia. Oh yeah, so uh, we finally have some intercontinentality on the podcast. Finally. Woo! Finally. Well, at last. Are we not going to talk about the intercontinentality on this podcast? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been looking for something like this my whole life, so I'm very excited. Oh yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you'd like to give a bit of background yourself on, on, your, on your Bean fandom, how you found us or, or anything like that, or even your, uh, your lovely history with this beautiful movie. So I was born in 1998, so a year after the film came out. Um, but I have an older brother who grew up watching a lot of the Mr. Bean TV series. And so basically in our house when I was smaller, we had a VHS tape. And on it, there was three cartoons, Batman Forever, and then right at the end of the tape was Bean. And I have really strong memories of pretty much watching this tape on repeat. I'd get up to the Mr. Bean segment, I'd watch the whole movie straight through, and then I'd rewind the tape, go again from the start. I used to just completely love it. And probably my first memory of watching it was I think I was probably about five years old. And what I loved so much about the film was being small. I didn't really have any concept of a world kind of outside from where I live, if that makes sense. Um, mm. So I, I kind of consider myself almost the perfect kind of viewer for this film because I'm neither British nor American, so I don't really have any kind of experience with either of those cultures. But the way in which the America or California, I guess you could say, is sort of shown to an international audience, it just looks great. It looks so sort of warm <laughs> and it honestly, yeah. the film truly, in my opinion, is one of the best examples of showing like a foreign place and being so young and impressionable. I used to watch it and it, it just made me think that Los Angeles was absolutely incredible because all of the shots of it, it's warm. It's as you guys have said in the past, like although being causes some pretty serious mayhem, it's a very kind of inviting world particularly being sort of so young. And, you know, I guess when you're five years old, you get up to, like, some pretty serious mischief. So I always kind of related to being in that sense. I mean, we've all and been just... there, destroying a priceless work of art at the age of five or six. It's, you know, you got to pass down the torch. Well, it's funny you say that, actually, because for me, I remember just loving it so much that one time the tape finished... And I can remember, I don't know what came over, over me. I was clearly possessed. Um, but I, I went up to the, the player and I ripped the tape out and I started ripping the film out of the tape. And I can remember. <laughs> so clearly I was, I was destroying a piece of art. <laughs> you just loved Bean so much. You need to, to replicate what he had done. Absolutely. And I, I can remember my mum coming into the room and, Jordana, what are you doing? And she and her and dad managed to save it because you can just sort of wind tapes back in. Um, but that was just how much I loved it. And it just seemed also sort of magical and strange, but just ultimately just such an exciting film. And I knew from a really young age that it kind of was something oddly special. I could just feel this charm with it. And probably I would say around the age of 12, 
that's when I probably really started getting into the film a lot more. Um, what was kind of, it's interesting, what was kind of going on with my life in that time was that I, I had some pretty hectic family things going on, quite stressful. And the way in which I would cope with it is at the end of the day, I would go home and watch the Mr. Bean film because it's 90 minutes. It makes you happy at the end. And it was kind of like an, an escape for me to sort of like another place, a foreign place. And then I can remember pretty much one summer, it just started taking over kind of my brain almost. I had all these films I could have watched and I just wanted to keep re-watching it because it would give me so many emotions in 90 minutes, which would often conclude in happiness. But sometimes I'll be so happy by the ending that I would cry. Um, and it wasn't like a depressed thing. Like I wasn't in, in any means having sort of a problems, I guess you could say. But I, I would just feel so much for for a human in 90 minutes. And I've got lots of theories on like what Mr. Bean is and how he operates in the world. But in some ways I can I can almost relate to him weirdly enough. Um, so I, I ended up watching the film 27 times in that summer that I'm sort of talking about. Um, I knew that I was watching it obsessively and then I sort of joked about it and I decided I'd keep a log. And yeah, just 27 times. And then I kind of left the film alone for a couple of years because I I definitely watched it probably worth my lifetime. Um, <laughs> definitely more than any other I, human. Yeah, but I would still always want to return to it. I, I would probably watch it still <laughs> at least like every six months, I would say at least, because it was just, again, it's just a fun 90 minutes. And then I sort of decided, I was like, you know what? I'd like to go to Los Angeles and so when I was uh, 19, I started doing traveling and I decided that I would definitely go to Los Angeles and I would definitely stay on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah. And you definitely listen to I Love LA. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I would even, honestly, though, back in that summer where I was watching it on repeat, I would also, I had the soundtrack on my iPod Touch and I definitely put mad pianos on there because even just the music is so yes. beautiful. I, I'm, I'm huge on that song. I could, well, instrumental piece, sorry. I could just talk about that so much. Um, but yes, I, I went to LA because the film to me, like I said, when I was five years old, it literally just seemed like such a magical place. And I wanted to see it for myself. And I, I by no means was I disappointed because, again, the film just shows it so well. I did go to Pacific Park. It was not as fun as it looked in being. Pacific Park was actually really depressing in person. And uh, <laughs> they, they didn't I... have the ride of doom, which kind of sucked. No um, I mean, I assumed it was something they just made up for the film. Like, Pacific <laughs> Park is such a generic name. <laughs> no, no, it is real. It's a real place. They changed the colour of it, though, which I was kind of disappointed in. And there were no crocodile hats, which also kind of made me sad. Ah, uh, oh, oh, imagery. <laughs> I know, no reptile imagery. <laughs> uh, I will say that the Gerson Art Gallery isn't real which is probably Ooh. why, as a set piece, it's so confusing. Because I'm with you <laughs> oh, guys in that the layout of it is so strange. Oh, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's, like, simultaneously very open plan and then, at other points, very, very claustrophobic. 
just from like from a design point of view, surely that is batshit insane. <laughs> it's awful. But I have been kind of tempted to um I watched a documentary on the shining where people would watch The Shining and they basically did a map of the Overlook Hotel through watching the film. And I've kind of been tempted to do that with the art gallery, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, but the art gallery isn't real and oh. the Langley House doesn't look as cool as it did in the 90s. But oh. I still got to see it, which is cool. <laughs> That's so, very so much fucking cool. For me, the Bean movie was definitely my first look at the foreign world, both in London and in California, definitely sealed my sort of position on, you know, where I'd like to go in the world. The movie is so special to me. <clears throat> Whenever I would ask people, have you seen the Mr. Bean movie? And they say, oh, the one where he goes to France. And I say, no, 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 the one where he goes to California. They often say, oh, yeah, I watched it a few times when I was a child. And I'd sort of be like, and? But then it's sort of conversation <laughs> over. I've never really found anybody who has the same sort of appreciation for it. Um, and then one night I was just on Letterboxd and I saw that you guys had commented on a uh, – my partner actually watched the film and I saw you commented on his review. And that then was I was like, <laughs> I have found my people. It's taken 22 <laughs> years. <laughs> I honestly, it was like it was like in the film where Mr. Bean at the end, you know, he gets accepted by the art gallery staff. They all take the pictures with him. That's how I felt. I was like, finally. Fucking <laughs> 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 beautiful. I think it's so sad, though, how kind of, critically overlook the film is because even at the age of 13 so I I feel like I may sound like I'm boasting here but I could <laughs> definitely recognize particularly in the heist scene where the, the uh, security <laughs> guard and Bean overlap it's perfection oh, it's so yes. good it's and the so score good. like it reaches its climax oh it's there are so many scenes that are perfection and if I could if I was a uh, like a, a lecturer of film I would 100% show that entire scene, the mis mission improbable scene, as I call it. I would yeah. show that to a class because it's perfection. And there's just so many examples of that in the film. And I just think it's so sad that this film has kind of fallen to, like, the wayside a little bit. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my history on Bean. Absolutely incredible. Um... I, have to, I have to point out that we... Uh watched the film yesterday on VHS uh, oh, because, <laughs> because I finally I finally got a player to play my secondhand VHS copy on and when we got to the heist scene it was very clear that whoever owned the tape previously had rewound to that scene an awful lot <laughs> oh I love that and who could blame them it is fucking perfect I just like that like even you know Occasionally, I'll have a slightly flat week with, the, and I'll kind of be like, "Oh fuck, I have to, I have to watch Bean now," which is fine. I enjoy the film, but I've had a shit week, and I just need to, and you dedicate an hour and a half to this when I could be like, you know, I mean, it is work. It is, it yeah, is. We're getting paid for this. Kind we're getting of. paid for this, but like, uh, you know, I, I had college work and shit, and every week without fail, the fucking high scene pulled through. And it just, it just makes it like, I get a shot of adrenaline every fucking time and I can't Absolutely. help but laugh at how just a, a 
astonishing it is. Like it's oh, like it's even really. even detached from the we- the the rest of the film, it it is like a perfect five minute short film. Mm. It's just bolstered <laughs> by everything around it. <laughs> Well, sometimes if I needed like a little bit of a pick me up, I would just type in being Mission Improbable scene because that's for some reason that's what it's labeled as on YouTube. And I would just watch the heist scene. But there's things about it that I love, like the way in which he he has that gumstick of Kevin's and he presses it down, but also what the music does as he does that. Or you see the shot of him like sneaking down the stairs and the way the piano goes. And then just the build up to it, and then that sort of like euphoric release when yeah. he's finally he's like he's used the laxatives on the guard, he's in, <laughs> and you see that beautiful shot where he's uh, you see through the security cameras, mm. the, the monitors, and it just has that lovely kind of the way Mad Piano sort of carries through that scene. It's just perfection. Oh, and it, so honestly, beautiful. if I was in a strange enough mood with the film because that's what the film does to me. It puts me in like a weird trance. I would cry in the in the scene because I'd be so happy for Bean and I'm like so proud of him. Yeah, yeah, because he's like he's <laughs> triumphed over all odds. You know, it's a it's a, it really. I've had a, I've shed a few tears of Bean if I'm honest. Uh, every, every week, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely in agreement though with your theory that Bean has done it before and he's definitely done it at the London Art Gallery. Yes, I fucking love that theory because it actually holds so much weight and I'd love if he came back to America years later and he had the exact same, like, <laughs> the careers in gallery, like, are sick of him and they send him off but David, like, won't let them uh, won't let them fire him so they send him over to England on, as, like, a... Uh... <laughs> just keeps going. Yeah, yeah, just repeat the cycle. Yeah, um... when it becomes the Langley Gallery and... <laughs> There's a, new, there's a new curator there, and David's just going, I employed this fine young man while I was doing your job. Um, but yeah, He's no, still you're... young, like 60. Yeah, he looks the exact same. Well, as we established with the scrapbook, which is published in-universe, Bean is openly confessing to all of this, which means that David is going to get prosecuted for negligence. (laughs) (laughs) Or they'll be so impressed by the magnitude of this high scene that they'll be like, you know what, there's two, like, it's, it's, you know, they might disagree with the personal politics, but they can't deny the artistry, you know? (laughs) I like to think that uh, (laughs) David comes across uh, Bean's uh, scrapbook in in a, I don't know, maybe an an Eason's or something, or W.H. Smith, (laughs) and he's like, oh, he's like, Bean, he's like, oh, Dr. Bean, he's like, I I wonder what this is all about, he kind of flicks through it, and and he sees, you know, everything, he's like, oh, God, oh, God, (laughs) I ruined it! At this stage, he's like head of the gallery, and he's like, "Oh gosh, <laughs> oh, that'd be great." Um, but yeah, no, we're fully in agreement that this film needs a big, like, um, a renaissance. Uh, yeah, a critical renaissance, a critical revival. Oh, without doubt, I, I, um, I watched the deleted scenes from it a couple of years ago, and I remember thinking how cool it would be if there was an extended edition released, and. Mm. As soon as you guys sort of said that about contacting Universal and working titles pictures, I was like, yes! Finally! Release the butch cut. <laughs> but like- because I truly do. I have so many things about this film that I would 
if I could, I would just love to ask the people that worked on it because it's just surely when they were doing the high scene in the editing room, the editors and Mel Smith were like, this is genuinely impressive because there's no way you could craft a scene like that (laughs) and not be proud of it. The editing of this film is genuinely flawless. I mean, yeah, you said that while we were watching it this week. Like, it's just like, even just kind of in terms of like smaller things, like the the Ride of Doom scene, the way they kind of don't need to explain anything, they just cut to like a shot of a yeah, a fucking Officer Brutus's like handgun. As like, okay, he's been arrested. Like that that tells like the whole thing. It's like, okay, he's been apprehended and brought to a fucking police station. For so- can we can we talk about this? He endangers so many lives. And. They have. They say to David, "Are you willing to take responsibility for his actions? Why is I it Bean?" <laughs> In fairness, meeting Bean, would you assume he's like well enough to like defend himself? <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's One the genius. One thing I cottoned onto yesterday was I couldn't understand why David thought it was a smart idea to have Bean stay with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I said because this yeah. he he proposes the idea, but there's no real reason as to why he thinks it's a rational one. It's like yeah. it's a clever idea he's had in the background because he sort of mentions it in the art gallery room. Mm, but he obviously so hasn't what, mentioned what, it to his family his... because he only tells them that night, and they're not like even happy about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely wondering if he thought like it would be an exciting proposition to have another man in the house because I've definitely mm. got some theories about David after our closer viewings. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely I it mean... leads to like one or one of two scenarios. Either like he, you know, David strikes me as a man who's very attracted to knowledge. So, I mean, having mm. a man of Bean's caliber staying with them, you know, um, I mean, it, you know, it could, it could open up some exciting opportunities. But then also, I mean, it could be complete, um, unbridled attraction, you know? Um, so, I mean, maybe he was hoping for uh, his family to leave for a while, you know? So, you know, you never know. I, I mean, I, I, for one, think the sexual tension is palpable. Uh, oh, I mean, it's unbearable sometimes. That's like the main tension in this film, right? Oh, definitely. You, you guys are watching as like a forbidden love type thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really care much Can about Can we talk stuff, about but... the shower scene? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they literally are star-crossed lovers. Like, every single thing in their paths is keeping them from one another. Like, if they were just let loose in L.A. together, I mean, think about it. What's the happiest point of the movie is definitely the Sunset Boulevard scene. You know, Bean is flipping off people and they're listening to Randy Newman. And But, like, I mean, every other scene is just full of all these needless complications that's just getting in the way, you know? You know? Like think of- As you mentioned the Sunset Boulevard scene, have any of you ever looked up what the film that's being advertised on the billboard is? It's called Jude. Jude. I've been meaning Very to interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> have you, Would you have like you watched to, it? Uh, I've never watched it. Would you like me to read, though, the synopsis of it? Yes, please. Please, please do. All right. Let me just pull it up. I found this very interesting. And then also when you when you know the lyrics of Pictures of You, it's even more interesting. Um, We've been discussing <laughs> Pictures of You at great length. <laughs> That's been your bit of the week, I feel. like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is the synopsis for Jude. 
a stonemason falls in love with his cousin. Both are already married, but as destiny strolls, these two will come close and start staying with each other. Will the society accept their relationship? Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> I mean, that's the exact same synopsis as me. <laughs> it, it kind of is. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and there's the lyrics of Pictures of You. So the lyrics of Pictures of You by Boyzone, which plays at the end credits, is Didn't they say that I would make a mistake and didn't they say you were going to be trouble? I let you in and you let me down. You messed me up and you turned my life around. Left me feeling I had nowhere to go. I was alone, but how was I to know that? And then it's the chorus. And to me, it just kind of sounds like bit of a sexual awakening for david that's exactly <laughs> what i've been saying all week i've been talking about how that song is the plot of the film retold from david's perspective <laughs> yes because in any other regard if you really think about the lyrics it kind of makes no sense for it to be in a mr bean film <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean if we um I mean, even looking at uh, this, um, obviously a film that takes great inspiration from Bean, uh, Synecdoche, New York, um, <laughs> the, the song played during the credits of that by John Bryan, who did the, the soundtrack, um, Charlie Kaufman uh, wrote, and it's actually an Anomalisa as well, not this song, but the same idea, where Charlie Kaufman, the director and writer, wrote uh, lyrics to a song that was made by the, the uh, whoever did the, the music on Anomalisa. Um, and the lyrics of the song almost work as an epilogue to the film or a time yeah. together of all the themes. So, I mean, they've literally just, like, Charlie Coffin literally just stole that from B97. <laughs> he just, like, you know, <laughs> took it straight from Mel Smith's playbook, you know? Well, the thing, too, is, is that picture of you, or pictures of you, I think I call it, is that it was actually written for the film, yeah. and Bean is also yeah. in the music video. That is true. So, He's like, also of on all, the single of cover. all ideas they could write about, they wrote about like a sort of a love blossoming that's kind of forbidden. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I wonder if you could read it another way as well, as if it's like um, you know Bean's relationship with LA or America as a whole. I mean, I, yeah, I thought I can I see thought... that. <laughs> I thought you were going a very different way with that, Rob. I thought you were going to say, oh, like, you know, their first, you know, their first time bedded together. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going way more explicit with it. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> the, the shower scene is just so strange. I don't know how. I've probably honestly watched the film at least a minimum of 100 times. And I don't know how I've never noticed the fact that David looks around and then closes the door like if he was yeah. so disturbed by it and he and he knew he had to go to the art gallery too why wouldn't he just get out of the shower yeah yeah well i mean look it's just it's too much of a sweet opportunity to pass up no one's there you know and uh, obviously uh, david strikes me as the person that kind of wouldn't make the first move you know he kind of he needs things kind of spelled out yeah for a, little a little bit, bit of progression yeah yeah <laughs> he needs Something someone to has... kind of lead the Wait, way a little you... bit I, I know I know that Jack and Rob have, but uh, Jordana, have you, have you ever seen the film Old Boy? No, I haven't seen it. I've definitely heard of it though. Fantastic film, but the thing I'm the the main point I'm trying to make is that there's a character who becomes uh, the the hero's love interest, and there's at one point where she's uh, 
you know, saying, you know, I, I want to have sex with you at some point. Uh, not right now, but I will, I will, as a code word, I will sing this song when I'm, when I'm ready to have sex. And as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I do that, don't hold back, you know, just, just go for it. And the, the point that I'm getting to here is that perhaps David running the shower is like his code that he's like, Whoa. even if I, he's like, even if I resist, you know. <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> or, if you want to take it more literally, David sings, or no, Yesterday plays right yeah. before he goes to the shower. So he says to Beans, like, if you hear Yesterday banging away from my room, <laughs> turn on that shower. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the clubs. <laughs> um, why the fuck is there a phone next to David's shower? <laughs> oh, so that he can take calls while he's in the that. shower. I have never ever even thought of that. I'm like, oh yeah, of course there'd be a phone in the shower. Like, you know when you're showering and you, and you lean out and you're like, oh, better make a call. <laughs> yeah, that does, that does seem kind of weird. I'd imagine it's more for taking calls. You know, he's a he's a very important man. He needs to get calls about when Whistler's mother has arrived, and he needs to know then. You know, but, like wait, leave also- a voicemail. <laughs> Yeah, that does seem kind of weird. But then also, at the same time, why did he get the call to say Whistler's mother was there? Surely he was showering to come into work anyway. And wasn't it like, like, weren't they expecting Whistler's mother like that day? Seems very odd. Yeah, why is it such a dramatic rush? Yeah. Well, it's so that we gotta see it. It's so that we can get the amazing joke of Bean going, he's just here in the shower with me. (laughs) He's just here in the shower with me. Can we just talk about David's marriage for a minute? Oh, Oh, at last. (laughs) So, I would just like to say, as a female, that something is very wrong in David's marriage if Alison is contemplating divorce and separating the kids from their father and leaving her home. If she's contemplating that over a guest who's been there for a day. Yeah, that's fucked. David like. has, yeah. yeah, David has done something bad. He oh, does yeah. say when he gets drunk, she was probably going to leave me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin also says, you screwed it up again, Dad, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. So, what maybe. Do you, I, I don't know. What do we think I, he's done? I mean, we obviously, there's, a while there's ago the that. dog that he killed. <laughs> the dog! The dog that he killed! Yeah, yeah, he did kill the dog. Let's be real. I don't know. Yeah. You can hear the dog in that deleted scene so clearly. Well, you can hear a dog. I, I mean, my theory is that in that deleted scene, Bean somehow kills the dog. Oh, yeah, that's, that's grim. <laughs> Which would that's make why Alison wants him gone. Like she's like, okay, this stranger has come into our house, stayed there overnight without us knowing, and murdered our pet. <laughs> get him out! Like that's why, and out. that's why the dog is never brought up because, like, you know, they're all too like stricken with grief that they don't even want to mention his name, you know. <laughs> Um, and then that's why when Bean destroys the picture of the the only picture they have with the dog, they're like, "Oh, great! Our last memory gone." He doesn't even destroy the picture; he just breaks the glass frame. The like, nice the pi- frame. The picture's yeah. still fine. Yeah, it, it has sentimental value. 
Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> it has huge sentimental value. We've also theorized that David has just, like, exhibited a lot of... Um, you know, um, homosexual behavior, which is which is fine. But Alison just, you know, she's uh, she's just kind of saying, like, you know, it's fine if, if you're gay. Just t- tell me, you know, we don't have to live this lie. And, you know, David, he doesn't like making well, a strict decision. I, uh, to be fair here as well, I brought this up with Jack earlier uh, uh, or, or while we were watching the film yesterday. Uh, I don't think David's the only one displaying homosexual tendencies here uh, because I... I d- John Lennon, yeah, he used to. This is this is true fact. He used to refer to Yoko Ono as mother. That's what he used to call her. And uh, Allison at one point says, uh, "You know, you you didn't get rid of Doctor Bean, so I'm taking the kids to my mother's," uh, which I think is code for she is taking the kids to her girlfriend Bernice's. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just taking the kids to Yoko Ono. <laughs> um, oh, that'd be great, yeah. And that's why, because surely their mother, like, their granny doesn't live too far away because they kind of just come back and forth on a moment's notice, you know? So surely she can't be, like, that far away that it's, like, too much of an effort to get there. And, I mean, Bernice works in the, in the city, so, I mean, surely that means that she yeah. lives nearby. So, I mean, I think that holds a lot of weight. I think it's very plausible. <laughs> yeah, you just got to read between the lines of these things. You know, some people just look at films at, like, face value, but, uh, you know, others watch it uh, repeatedly on a... <laughs> <laughs> 27 I mean, yeah, times on a, in a summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the only way you'll truly understand a film. Uh, Donald Trump... I still don't. That's the problem. <laughs> Donald Trump is in the airport scene, by the way. Hey, uh, fuck off! I I no. have the celebrity. Ca- I no, I have the celebrity cameo, and it's fucking Bruce Willis. <laughs> Where the, the fucking the bald uh, the police officer? Yeah, yeah, the bald police officer. I've always been like, oh, he reminds me of someone so you much. You mean I've J.K. Been, like, Simmons? No, see, no, that's the thing. I've always been like, that looks like J.K. Simmons, and it does, but. A part, yeah, a half, a half the time, I'm kind of like, ooh, it looks a bit like Vin Diesel, but but not so much. <laughs> and then I thought of the third, Vin Diesel. I, th- I thought of the third uh, white bald man today, which is Bruce Willis, <laughs> like fully cementing the 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 holy trinity. Um, so it's definitely they definitely got all three of those actors in and interchanged them, um, just like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen in uh, was a Full House they were in. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I was thinking uh, yesterday on my viewing was imagine being in LAX and your flight's cancelled, you're in an awful mood, and then you turn around and you see them filming that scene. Just Mr. B just plows through people, probably past you. uh, if, If I could go back in time to one particular day, I think it would be the day that they definitely shot that scene. Uh, just to get a glimpse it'd be amazing yeah like I, I think I don't know which one I think it was me that said it one week where he's saying that that whole scene was actually done like jackass style where everybody there is a real person <laughs> and it wasn't scripted oh at all so that woman's like not you sweetie is actually just a really really lovely uh, bystander who um, wasn't too affected by the whole the gun uh, the whole gun scenario it is a, 
it definitely is amazing that they were actually allowed to film a scene like that in LAX. Yeah, it's mad. It's in amazing opinion. they were able yeah. to release a scene like that. Yeah. I mean, it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say it was pre-9-11, but I mean, you know, like sh- like public shootings in America, very much... It's uh, still pretty bad. Yeah, Ooh, we're, yeah. We're, I mean, that's pre-9-11. Come on, like, but... Uh, f- Fuck, even even the little things that you you always say, Butch, the fucking the flash photography on the plane, like that. That's a big no no these days. Like, sorry, sorry. Me. Forget the flash photography. The ginormous explosion out of a bag of puke. Like that is loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> like if you're. Sitting- he also does that puke very quick. Yeah, that kid is a quick puker. Timmy Puker Jr. He, he pukes, and then it's he, it's like. It's like one second puke, but the bag is pretty much full. <laughs> it's one of those scenes where you need to read between the lines. Um, his mother is actually an exorcist, and she's <laughs> he's just purging any Please. demons that were that were in his system uh, on the plane. Can, she's like, oh. can we talk about the amount of demons and ghosts in this movie? Oh, there's so many ghosts, actually. Fuck yeah, we caught a few ghosts. Um, what? The main, now, let me think. There's a few characters in this film that show up just inexplicably and then disappear also inexplicably <gasps> the old couple do you know the old couple that are they're they're on the balcony scene when the art gallery is announcing Whistler's mother and they're also in the room standing pretty much next to Bean it's like this old man and woman in like really like Victorian clothes wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. we saw the old couple but we actually saw them in a different scene <laughs> Like, when uh, Whistler's mother arrives at the gallery, they're in the room, and then they just fuck off. God, I, I feel like such a bad bean stan. I can't even think of who you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, yeah, I, they're I didn't ghosts. Know, I didn't notice them until this time round. And, um, oh, what, what was the other one? In the boardroom as well of the Grierson Gallery, there's a blonde woman who was never introduced. Just you, I don't even think you see her in like any establishing shots. You just see the back of her head. Yeah, at one the, point. the the shot is almost from her perspective of uh, maybe David. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, the big one, the big one that Butch uh, saw while we were watching in the <laughs> the operation scene. The operation scene as um, we kind of pan across the operating theater. You know, we see the full surgical team, and in the background there is someone in a white T-shirt. Not shortly after the surgical team run out of the room to help out with a different operation, and that person doesn't leave, and we never see them again in the <laughs> operation theater. Now, some would say crew member in the shot. I say ghost. <laughs> speaking of speaking of the operation scene, I believe you had a theory about who one of the doctors might be. Oh fuck yeah! Um, okay, let me let me let's rewind slightly. Uh, you guys are obviously familiar with the scene in which Walter Merchandise, uh, as he is credited, uh, <laughs> Walter Huntley, as he is actually called. Yeah, um, he he is uh, showing David and Bernice all the products that are going to be on sale once Whistler's mother arrives. You know, you got Whistler's sister, you got Whistler's beer mug, you got uh, Whistler's whistle. You just blow That's up her Whistler's ass. Whistler's father's beer mug. Whistler's father's beer mug, and um. He has an assistant with him who is called Spencer, and Spencer's a pretty like yeah you know, I would call him recognizable. He's 
he's got like a kind of pair of like rounded glasses and a kind of surly looking facey. Uh, I can't. He looks a bit like Al Pacino actually. Um, but cut to the operation scene and uh, one of the surgeons exclaims, uh, "It's only my first week," and I shit you not, I am so fucking certain that it's the same guy. <laughs> that is Spencer. <laughs> they do look disturbingly similar. But, I mean, well, look, it implies that's just more to me world that, building. It implies to me that he got. He, I mean, he looks visibly very annoyed during the merchandise scene. I presume yeah. that what the only assumption I can come to is that he got so annoyed at the commercialization of classical art that he quit his job as Walter's assistant and decided to very quickly or, become a doctor. Or <laughs> he is, like, he, he's completely up to his neck in medical stuff. It's his first week, he's learning off so much, you know? And then his brother, Walter Merchandise, is like, oh, will you come help me with my uh, with my merchandise? He's like, oh, I have so much work to do. I'm doing my first ever surgery this week. And he's like, I don't care. Come in, I need you to hold Whistler's sister. <laughs> it's also possible that he is working... The the merchandise job to pay off his medical school debts and he's a true millennial icon working two jobs <laughs> i'm sorry my my internet cut out there for a second but when you mentioned ghosts i just wanted to add a little one that i spotted yesterday never noticed it before but in the whistler's mother scene where they're they're saying that she's coming to america on the balcony they have all of the employees and there are two, yeah. there's two older people. It's like an old man and his wife, but they're very, they're dressed very sort of traditionally. And then later on in the scene where Bean does his speech, they're shown again, basically standing, um, pretty much right next to Bean. But it's a really quick cut, and they they look like they're grinning. And it creeped the heck out of me yesterday because I've never noticed them before, and I don't know what point they serve. Oh my god. <laughs> I uh, I was just saying when you when you cut out there that um they they appear in the scene where Whistler's mother first arrives as well when they first <gasps> see the no way in the gallery yeah they're in the room but that was the only time I saw them and now that I think about it, I could totally fucking picture them on the balcony as well but the <laughs> I, I yeah I don't I don't fucking know I don't know what to fucking make of that I mean it's like in the if any of you have seen the TV show The Young Ones it there's uh. Uh, you know, it's a show about a sitcom about four flatmates mm-hmm. living together, but there's a, a, a in h- hidden in the background of some of the episodes is uh, just a person whose face is completely covered by their hair and is just sitting there doing nothing and is never acknowledged. <laughs> and it was only d- like this show is from the the mid eighties and this was only discovered in like the last few years and it's Whoa. it's been uh, the the ter- the name coined by the community is the fifth housemate and the 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 idea from the creators is just that it's someone that just showed up at a party and never really left <laughs> uh, but it's I I like to think of it as, as as something a bit similar to that. Just people who just kind of are at the gallery, just guests who came to visit and just never left. <laughs> <laughs> These are all such reasons, though, why I always find myself returning to the film because it's like the closer you look, almost like the more rewarded you are. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like some of the things that we've like discovered or noticed in the, in like the last few months have like completely changed the way I look about this film now. Like I don't, I will never be able to see this film 
um, just in like its basic form ever again because every single time something happens that may not be you know that you may like a, a new a newbie might watch it and be like oh well that you know that doesn't like make a lot or like why does he do that or like oh that's weird but i have like hundreds of hours of backstory in my head on exactly like why every character <laughs> does everything they yeah. do why they act certain ways so There's... much world building in 90 minutes genuinely <laughs> it's and like as uh, yeah and as we were saying or as me and uh, uh jordana were saying before we started uh recording that like it's 90 minutes but so, you know it can feel like 20 like it's so like beautifully crafted it's so it goes by so fast but it's 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 perfect in the way that you can finish and you can press replay and it it still won't feel like 90 minutes even though it's been like 180 no never and it's so sad too one thing that we also said was a lot of the negative uh criticism of this film was that people say by 60 minutes the film has run out and that it needs more slapstick and that the the remaining 30 minutes of it are a drag but i mm. i truly detest that like that's just so far from <laughs> definitely what i would think um because like you guys said in a previous episode the the moment that you may have a creeping sense of boredom or maybe a scene is dragging on a little bit the film just snaps into something else mm. and it's the, <laughs> the pacing is perfect and speaking of the way it snaps too one thing that i really love about this film is the way in which the scene will finish and it'll finish with a sound and then it snaps into music and the music accompanies that sound the best example of it is the way in which uh, Bean's got his underwear in the oven and he's he's rattling yes. the oven door and it's making yes. that noise and then it kicks into Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> it's fucking perfect. And also it the way so, David's, so in the, David's in the shower and he slams the phone and then as he's slamming the shower door, the door is then going into the sound of the Mustang firing up the oh, hill yeah. it's perfect oh, there's so many yeah. great examples of that <laughs> oh i mean it's just uh yeah it's a film school of cinematic technique it's just... <laughs> but it's so sad because i think this film is so overlooked because critics and the academy they wrote it off as just being a 90 minute mr bean haha funny gag film like that's that's all it is it has no depth but really, if you really want to get into it the way we do, if if you want to be possessed by it, it does. It's brilliant. Give it an Academy, honestly. Bring it back to Netflix like you guys said. Give it streaming film of the year. <laughs> yeah. I fully believe it's the only way we can raise critical status by this is to get it the full 180-minute version re-released in cinema, or well, on streaming at the moment, obviously. It'll get its theatrical release once all this is over. Um, oh, imagine yeah, after quarantine finishing and the first film you see back in cinema is the three hour B- butch cut of P ninety seven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you guys heard of there's there's a version of the the Godfather trilogy that's like all edited together into like one five hour movie, uh, Whoa. or possibly even longer. Uh, but I I'd like to see not only the extended butch edit, but I'd like to see it edited into the other two B movies to make like one nine hour long <laughs> movie. Honestly, after sitting uh, like for six hours in the cinema, would you really want to start Top Funny Comedian? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana, you haven't seen uh, Top Funny yet, have you? No, I sort of 
don't want to either. Yeah, no, I, I think I just want to preserve the happy thoughts of being that I have and not watch something that's shit. Um, just quickly, actually, I mean, ho- yeah. holiday. I did see that in cinemas when I was I was nine, and I liked the film. I've probably watched it maybe every three years since, but it, it mm. does not have the same effect on me. There's something about it that doesn't quite encapture me the way ninety seven does. It's too normal yeah. or something. It's like not. It's like too mundane. <laughs> like I love holiday. I really do. But it's like. I mean, that is that is rich considering all the Nazis and suicides. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's well, very ignore dark. You. Yeah, it is. It's, it's equally as dark. Yeah. I would say as ninety seven in just, some ways, but it just doesn't have that magic and that charm. And I think it yeah. might try yeah, a little I, bit too hard to have it. Yeah, I yeah. feel like B B ninety seven didn't try to be a kids film. No, which is in 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 some ways really weird because as you said yesterday, Butch, that you know the character is Austin. Uh, I can't say ostensibly. Ostensibly, pardon me. Ostensibly, uh, like you know, kid friendly. But then B ninety seven just came out of left field and was like. All right, he's gonna ruin this fucker's life, and uh, he's gonna have like marriage problems, and there's gonna be like the a doctor scene. says it's not a coma. The doctor I think says I'm gonna have to leave you. <laughs> I wish I'd never been born. It is, Sabine, it, do you it's drink? Very morbid. Yeah. It's so morbid, and I used to cotton on to that a little bit when I was younger. Is that that the film is incredibly dark, and it's very bleak in some ways. Particularly, I find how the characters are dressed. I think they just look bland. A lot of what's going mm. on in their lives is bland. But basically, to me, the only happy-looking thing is California. Yeah, it's it's almost like yeah, um, yeah. it's almost like the the bland mundanities of like everyday life and like all this stress and uh, turmoil over the painting. Once all that is simmered and at bay, and once Jennifer is out of her out of her her, her sleep. Um, you can finally t- take solace in sunny California. You can finally live it up yeah. in, in the beautiful palm trees. You can listen to Randy Newman. The sun is shining. You know, everyone's out in their uh, <laughs> everyone's out in their uh, Hawaiian shirts. It's great. <laughs> Was I the only one who used to find the painting very almost scary to look at? I was terrified. Oh, I was. Uh, whist- yeah. I found Whistler's mother. I freaky. hated it as a child because it's it's very. I I appreciate art. But I cannot look at that painting and think it's beautiful. <laughs> I no, think not that at what all. It's, I think what it represents is beautiful, and, and that's why Bean's speech is fantastic. But mm. physically looking at the painting, to me, is freaky. It's just, yeah. it's weird. Bean definitely improved Honestly, it. Honestly, Bean improved it. Although, on the flip side, the... Uh quote-unquote improved face is a source of terror for um, our friend Gavin, who's appeared on two of the holiday episodes. He, I, I remember when we were starting this podcast, I was kind of chatting to him, and he was like, oh, I, I, can't, I can't watch B97. I was like, oh, why not? I was like, the fucking face he draws Whoa. on Whistler's mother, like, just, give, just gives me the heebie-jeebies. He's like, I, I can't bear to look at it. And I was like, oh, I was like, and I kind of, not thinking much, I was like, oh, it's actually the uh, the picture for our group chat and kind of turned it to him. And he's like, ah, God! Like, oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God. I definitely had some nightmares about it as a kid. I definitely can recall seeing it and it did frighten me, but nowadays I look at it and laugh. Um, just really quickly, when I got back from Los Angeles, my parents had it 
in my uh, in a frame hanging up in my room, which I thought was pretty funny. They like printed it out and framed it. I thought it was brilliant. So oh, it's still in my room. It's great. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Um. But yeah, so uh, actually, a really quick note I wanna I wanna make is uh, that uh, Jordana sent me a picture, was sent us a picture of uh, Bernice, and she actually does have an art tag that you found. Justice for Bernice. Yeah, justice for Bernice. Justice that, for Bernice. It's on her waist uh, rather than on on the front because obviously she needs to make a way for her uh, pin that just says art. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, she wants to. Yeah, you know, step outside the crowd. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Or maybe she's being forced to hide her tag by the patriarchy because they don't mm. want people to look at Bernice and think that she represents the gallery. That's true. She just because, represents uh, art. Yeah. <laughs> I did definitely watch Bernice a lot closer on this viewing because in the past I've never admittedly really given her much attention. Mm. And she is literally treated like shit. Yeah, like I wonder yeah. what it was like for Sandra Oh on set. It just is awful in every scene. She's either being like shoved away, she's being pulled away from somebody, or she's being silenced. Mm. Oh yeah, no, it's awful. It's and like over. I'm kind of I've I've always, I've wonder all the time. Like, is it like was she treated just the same on set as her character, or was it actually some subtleties in the writing? And Sandra Oh was doing this as like kind of like a you know a uh, a feminist role to kind of show the position that women are put in in these in these in these in, uh, like male dominated industries, you know. So I mean, there could I would, be a I lot would of definitely a... think that. Hmm. I think so too. It's um definitely the the big political critique that Mel Smith was pulling together. And uh, speaking of big political cr- critique, I know you have a lot to say about this film being anti-America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we've, we've talked a little bit about it before of being, um, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like British versus, uh, I can't remember what, what would we say, like, but like British, um, like, uh, upper class versus American, like working class or, or like British, uh, stupid or British, like, you know, uh, being like kind of full of themselves versus like America is kind of like being real childish and stupid. Um, but yeah, what what do you have to, to say on that, Jordana? I almost don't really see it that way. I kind of see it in a flip side because, firstly, I think that it depicts London as being quite bleak. Mm. And I also think that, really, London choosing to send Mr Bean is incredibly irresponsible and it's really a poor reflect- reflective decision of theirs. Yeah. And then another thing that I think also is that the art gallery seems to be su- in in California. It definitely seems to be such a more inviting. Like I know that obviously Bernice gets shut down a lot, but it mm. definitely seems to be such a more kind of like equal sort of ability to chat. Like they sit around a round table, they talk about sort of art and their opinions. The, the mm. art gallery itself looks a lot more kind of modern and inviting and, and fun. Definitely more and fun. bright. And definitely more... bright for sure. Yeah. Um and I would one thing I also want to say was in the scene where Mr. Bean gives his speech, I find that I think what he says is brilliant, but also everyone is so supportive of him and embracive of him. So I almost 
it made me almost think that Americans almost have a bit more of appreciation for the artwork than what an English person would in some ways. Um, I can agree that it does somewhat show a bit of daftness to America. And, And of course, I have no doubt that English writers probably did want to take a bit of a dig. But I, I don't think that it represents <laughs> Americans for being dumb or anything like that. Um, I actually see it as all being kind of like quite welcoming and sort of warming. Um, hmm. But yeah, like a bit of a different view, like I said, because obviously I'm Australian, so I'm neither sort of from the United Kingdom and I'm not from America. So I can kind hmm. of look at it as like two different sort of areas. Yeah, yeah. You have a very neutral standpoint. Hmm. Yeah, but I would I would definitely say that the American appreciation for art is a lot more evident than the English appreciation because they kind of take a more sort of um, old school approach. Like they're all in formal suits. All the areas are like brown and mahogany, whereas the art gallery in, in America just looks really fun. It's, you know, it's almost if you, if you take back to... Um you know, modernity. I mean, like, uh, I think that the the British kind of show real kind of classic modernity, um, you know, everything being very proper and like a very proper, like, you know, class system and traditional art. But then you go to America, it's very like postmodern. It's very like, oh, we'll paint yeah, on the walls. Definitely. Like, yeah, all like random. They talk like, about uh, Picasso and... Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, everyone that works there is a complete weirdo. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> Can I just say, though, having John Bon Jovi... I do not understand why that was such a bad idea. Like, wouldn't David yeah. think that would be a great person to host in his house? <laughs> He's just not a fan of John I'm sure his Bon-Jo-Bee. kids would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer. If, if he was looking for a hot man for Jennifer, John Bon Jovi. Right? I mean, he's had two great haircuts in the last ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Sign me up. That was a good idea. I think his reaction to that is so unfair. Like, poor Bernie's. Oh, yeah, no. If anything, there has to be some backstory there. I'm sure he has, like, a traumatic experience with John Bon Jovi. Like, I mean, um, I don't know, maybe, like, his first love was a big Bon Jovi stan or uh, or he got broken up with at a John, Bo- a bon, jo- a John bon Jovi concert. John Bon Jovi. Um, Have you guys I mean... uh, noticed also in the art gallery that uh, when they first sit down, the little folders that they're holding, they're the same colour as the clothes that they're wearing? No oh, way! I, no. I, in my first watch, I, I was talking about how like people are like almost matching the paintings behind them in their in their colors, but it yeah, extends to so the notebooks match- as well. They're matching both, and no I'm way. pretty sure there's a second female in the room because there's a lady there that's wearing a full red dress, and it's Ooh, not the blonde woman. Is that is that the blonde woman? Yes, that's the blonde woman. I know. Oh her my yesterday. god. <laughs> but yeah, like we only know Sir yesterday for the first time as well. Like she's like another ghost, surely enough, possibly. <laughs> and uh, the little mentioned. tombstones, the little like when Bean, yeah, fanning, yeah, when he's fanning his crotch, he's doing it in front of Whistler's mother, which I think is quite funny. But there's like little, <laughs> t- there's like little tombstones. I don't mm, know. Yeah, what they to represent. Are. It's to represent it's the death a, of modernity. It's it's only just occurred to me him blowing his crotch dry in the fan in front of Whistler's mother, is that not foreshadowing to him using the blow dryer on the poster? Oh! <gasps> oh! Brilliant! That's a, is it Tchaikovsky's gun? Tchaikovsky's gun. 
Oh, yeah, yeah baby. This film, as I said to Jack yesterday, this film is like a Chekhov's gun room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so oh. many of them. You got the M&Ms, you got the, the poster, you got the, the fan. Uh, at number one with the bullet, it's Dr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the M and M's are so strange. He eats the same packet of peanut M and M's. I'm pretty sure he's always eating a yellow one, and it's always before he does something really bad. Mm. I oh, definitely it's... am with you guys that they're like a drug or something. <laughs> oh, they've gotta be like he's he needs a to dope agent. himself up before he does anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a long-running theory that Mr. Bean and Johnny English, same universe, same person. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking that today. I was thinking like, what if Mr. Bean was in a coma or something, and Johnny English is like he's like coma dream. Uh, I've thought this before. Oh, it would make sense like as well because club, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it would uh, it would make sense as well considering how spaced out all of the movies are. It leaves so much time in between for the others like escapades yeah. to go on and then for the heat to die down and then for the other one to rise, you know. Um <laughs> just going back to the uh, the blow dryer quickly. Um if you turn up the sound super loud in the scene where he's with the, the, the hand dryer, the noises that are in the background are pretty much disgusting. Oh, like, no. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's, it's basically a wet, moist sound. It's awful. Oh, <laughs> God. Whoever did Foley on oh, that Oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only noticed this time round in the, uh, the hand dryer scene because I... Obviously, in in that scene, my eye is always drawn to well, be like being goofing around with the light bulb when Walter comes yeah. out of the stall. I never noticed that Walter fucking you know washes his hands and then goes to get some hand towels, which are gone. And kind of turns around to use the hand dryer, and I was like, oh wait, no. And it's just like a really like tiny little character beat that I never picked up on. I was like, how did I miss that? Like, he literally turns around, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck that, and leaves. Like, it's fucking great. What other new things did you guys watch on on your viewing? Oh, let's have a look. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, there's in the scene where uh, obviously uh, when uh, sorry, fuck my words. Where are they gone? When David comes back to the Whistler's mother room, Butch pointed out that there's a... We, we've noticed in the background before, there's a, a vase of flowers that are just strewn everywhere. Yeah, we've established what those are, the sheet that beans Oh, that's what he... The, the sheet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then Butch pointed out the vase is, like, upright on the ground. Yeah, perfectly like, fine. <laughs> perfectly fine on the ground, but the flowers are fucking everywhere. <laughs> Proving, <laughs> he pulled it off and the vase did a perfect like 360 flip in the air so all the flowers fell out but the vase landed perfectly like <laughs> I have another slight note in regards to that scene which you pointed out in the earlier boardroom scene that there is a door that just has a plant like directly oh, in yeah. front of it a uh, bit of foreshadowing to when Bean tries to block off the door <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just speaking of the whistler's mother room really quickly I'm definitely on board for the the uh, the themes of resurrection that you guys picked up on with the butterfly. <laughs> oh, like it's 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 gotta be like the the. Fucking... It makes so much sense because the only shots of a butterfly you see are in the key cards, and I'm pretty sure it's only used twice. The first is her going back into the 
when it's destroyed of it going back in. Yeah. And then second when it's coming back out. There hmm. and as well I mean there's a few other butterflies like throughout the film. On the but, doors, yeah. Yeah, and even uh in David's house on the walls, I think he has like a frame of of a few butterflies. It's just like it's gotta be like a fucking late motif or some shit. It's like, come on. The resurrection imagery, people! Why is no one talking about the resurrection imagery? Speaking of David's house, too, the silhouette of the man, that's the shelf. Yeah. Is so It's so strange, because it looks... I took a picture of it yesterday, and uh, it, it looks like Mr. Bean looming <laughs> over him. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> terrible. There's a shadow <laughs> hanging over, over me. me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I thought, too. It's exactly like the yesterday scene where he hangs over him. But in the photo I took, um, it's pretty much like... I'll just pop it in the chat really quickly, but it's perfectly aligned, and it just looks like Bean is in the back of his mind, and then he's got to, like, tell his wife the truth about his feelings. Like, it's loading through now if you just have a look in the chat, the Discord chat. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it looks like uh, Bean, though. That looks like his it head. Does. Wait, and hold on. You see the, um, I, I don't know what what it is, but, like, on the top left, it looks like the, the camera that he brings around takes photos oh, of as well, shit. you know? So, I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot to this. Much to think yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck! There's a lot of strange artwork in the house, though. I noticed the scene where David gets up in the morning when he's drunk, and right above his, on each of his shoulders is shot, and it looks like the, it, it looks like two very masculine demons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and one's, one's white, and one's red. <laughs> and they're, 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 they're shot when he's rising off the couch, and if you pause it, they're sitting on his shoulders as if it's like, um, I'm not sure what it's called, but that sort of religious analogy where you've got sort of like good and bad talking to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> speaking but, uh, speaking next of Next time you watch the scene, make sure you pause it there and look at the paintings. They're really creepy looking. <laughs> Fucking hell. Speaking of David being drunk, uh, me and Jack took time to watch through the deleted scenes last night in their entirety, and uh, there's that includes the uh, extended American version of the turkey scene, which includes David having a single malt whiskey. Yeah. Uh, even though he doesn't, doesn't drink. drink. See, my perspective on that is, I just think that he... You guys have said already about, like... Just drinks on occasion. Mm. Bean but being over is definitely an occasion. All through that house. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah there's mm. bottles of wine and everything. It's yeah, Kevin. they're everywhere. It's all Kevin. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe David's just in such extreme denial about his situation that he just refuses to admit that he even so much as ever drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That would make sense. I also find, I've always wanted to say this too, but I've never really known how to express it. When Bean shoots the peanut out of his nose and he changes the channel, I always find it strange that the image is just of, like, little lambs in a farm. Isn't like, that, is that a religious thing as I well? I think that's a religious thing. Like, you know, Jesus is the shepherd, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah! <laughs> Lamb of God. You take away the sins of the world. <laughs> Isn't Wrath of the Lamb a phrase? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. 
<laughs> I mean, it's also, you know, a symbol of innocence, which, you know, Bean has this kind of... It's being, I mean, the okay, innocence I... is being wiped away from them as they indulge in, uh, you know. <laughs> in seven or eight very pretty drinks. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that, that, the, the peanut hitting the TV has never quite sat right with me, and it's only this viewing I properly noticed that when the peanut hits the TV, it doesn't hit any of the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to believe that, uh, it's a total coincidence that the TV changed its image at that time. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it even changed channel. I think that that is just how whatever was showing on TV at, on that channel was edited. Yeah, and it's Bean just did, a total coincidence. Bean didn't even actually w- even try want to change the channel. He was just interrupting David because he had a fucking Eminem in his nose. He was like, oh, I need to get this out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know the way like Mickey Rourke is just in the background of the bar? <laughs> anyone else oh, really? <laughs> uh, I mean M- Mickey Rourke in his uh, role as uh, Hank Chinaski in uh, Barfly I'm so glad you guys talked about his big bust I thought his ass is so thick oh, it's so caked <laughs> <laughs> it's massive <laughs> I've thought that for years and just dismissed the thought. Like, what? Like, okay, just what a snack. I know we've said it before, but what a snack of a man. Mel Smith was all into just casting a bunch of, like, he's just like, look, I don't care if you can act, I just need some fucking eye candy on screen. That's why. <laughs> to be that's, fair, that's why Peter McNichols is. 110% into his role. Yeah, he, oh, he pushed the car. that car. And he is a man. <laughs> we need, can we talk about I'm Kevin for a second? Because me and Jack, this this viewing, really came to appreciate just for like what? How old was he? He was like eight years old when he was in this film. The actor yeah. playing Kevin does a really good job. Like he's oh, just, like he's really actually a flawless actor. <laughs> he's got he's got just such a great kind of attitude about him. Just even like I know he hits all the beats, especially in that scene where it's uh, him and Bean in the kitchen uh, just before the heist. And you know he just he just comes oh, in. He's, and he's such a little dude. He's so cool. He's just so suave, and he even like throws up the M M&M, and M, catches his mouth, like catch around, Moon Man. I'm like, ah, you, oh. you, you got it. Like you fucking got it, kid. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so as you've mentioned him really quickly, one thing that I thought yesterday was, and I've never even noticed him saying it, but when he says he asks what an Interuterine device. device. (laughs) Yeah. So my theory on that is, is that he's like overheard Jennifer asking her mum if she can go and get one because Jennifer's just got with Stingo and Kevin's like, oh, what's that? Oh, fuck. That is, that is great. That's very... This is the perspective of a female. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, who we've established, is in her mid-twenties. <laughs> the only time that you can really tell that Jennifer is much older is when she gets up from the couch to walk upstairs. You can definitely tell that it's like the body of like a late, like a mid-30-year-old. Yeah. It's like... Not a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> I mean, her age is, as far as I'm aware, never stated in the film. Yeah, it feels no, like... No, I would think that she's like 17 to 19, though. Yeah. Well, she seems to be out of school, considering that she's just going off on a school day with Stingo. 
Or is she just a bad bitch? <laughs> you know, she or just maybe I, I think she's a rebel child. Definitely a rebel child. Maybe th- Stingo or, or... was taking her to school. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Maybe Stingo's actually just a real... Like, because David doesn't fucking bring her to school. So, I mean, like, you know, she's like, all right, well, I guess I better do things here Stingo around here Stingo is a better parent than David. I'm saying it now. <laughs> <laughs> what if, though, like, Jennifer is discovering sex and it freaks David out? But David's also discovering sex. Well, we've established that David... (laughs) They're going through the same period of life, like, together. (laughs) (laughs) We've established established that David has very right-wing views on sexuality. Mm, Uh, Very conservative. What is plan B? (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know how all these strange words... I, I don't know why I completely missed all this for, like, 20 years of my life just hearing all these strange things that the characters say but never actually putting it together yeah i mean i think we've all kind of um said that we we all kind of first watched the film when we were quite young and it's so bizarre because i was showing it by my grandmother and just like why why did you sit me in front of that repeatedly like that like it was it was kind of like the film that was just like you know, chill me out. Like if I was being like a difficult kid, she'd be like, "All right, you want to watch? Like, you want to watch Bean?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." She made me a sandwich, sit me down with a bag of crisps and a fucking warm can of Seven Up, <laughs> which is which is how we watched it this week, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, like when I when I was growing up, I mean, uh, my three videos that were just in rotation most was the fucking Rugrats movie, uh, Jimmy Neutron, and fucking Bean, <laughs> and oh, Scooby Doo as well, two thousand one. Uh, oh, same. 2002. 2002. God, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> it's a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bean, it's funny, though, that uh, your grandma played it to chill you out, because even now at 22, when I watch this movie, it doesn't chill me out. I get crazy adrenaline rushes. I get so happy. I get upset. I, I can't have a like a quiet, peaceful viewing to this film. It's su- yeah, it's such an involved film. You can't help but like just be completely in the mind of the characters, or like at I least mean, try like, to be. I, I mean, uh, Rob, we've watched uh, B ninety seven together, haven't we? I feel, oh, I feel like, thankfully, yeah, we watched thankfully, the extended cut. we watched the extended cut together. Uh, what a the, lovely the, the butch cut. The butch cut, and um, <laughs> like I mean, you you will attest to the fact that ev- any time that we've watched any of these movies together, we're in fucking nuts just screaming oh i mean yeah like, it, the amount like, of yeah Woo! <laughs> <laughs> even like yeah it, it, I, I pretty much applaud at the end every time when he does the speech i'll like start clapping so, I'm just so, so did we when my we mom actually when she walked in she walked in yesterday and she said you're acting like you've never seen this film before <laughs> and i said yeah i do it every time <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I just had a theory about Stingo there. Okay, go on. Ooh, okay, go on. what if that Jennifer is actually Stingo's daughter at, with Allison from a previous relationship, and now them two are broken up, and that's why Stingo comes and brings her to school, and that's why oh. David hates him so much because that's like her other, her actual father, you know? Oh, there's like a competitive God. nature. I mean, there. there is nothing in the film which states that Allison and Stingo are in any sort of romantic relationship. That is purely us assuming. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, to- it's totally Jennifer just, and Stingo. You mean? Je- yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, it's not even really implied. It's like, oh look, they ride, they ride motorbike together. Exactly. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> to be fair, he looks very young. 
He's Howard from the Big Bang Theory. I can't see him as anything I else. disagree. I think he looks quite old. You can't even really see him, though, at all. Yeah, you kind of only see glimpses of him. To me, I always thought he looked very old, so this is why it's making I mean, sense to me. My, like, no, he's I just mean, her my theory that I'm My theory that I'm bouncing off of that is that the, the, the older-looking gentleman that flips Bean off on the motorcycle, Stingo's father, also Jennifer's father... Uh, oh, Stingo's maybe brother. Stingo is either her brother or her half brother, and David is only like tangentially aware of this. Yeah, that's why the man. That's why the man on the motorbike flips them off. He's not actually flipping off Bean. He's flipping off David for stealing his woman. Oh my god! <laughs> Fuck! Oh, finally, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> can close the book on this movie at last. No. Oh, well, actually, hold on. We no, no. I we... don't think that's possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's how can you say we can close the book of the movie when we haven't even talked about? Oh no no no, no 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 no! I'm glad you brought oh. this up, Rob. I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been dying to talk about it. Let me let me whip out my fucking emails here, you son of a cunt. Oh no! <laughs> did you did you email me? Let me just have a look here. Oh, Please God. tell me you didn't email Millie. Asking. Here we go. Here we go. Where is it? Where is it? I'm not hearing a no. <laughs> uh, so, 17th of May, I sent an email to Millie Korsner no. of PBJ Management. <laughs> God damn it. And I asked and then, her, who is she? Fill me in, fill me in I, really quick. Um, so quite early into the podcast, I spent maybe a week trying to find someone to contact to ask questions about Top Funny Comedian. And my best lead was a woman called Millie. Millie, if you're listening, hey. Um, and <laughs> and I, you've troubled that poor girl enough. I, she works for PBJ uh, and is the correspondent for Rowan Atkinson, his PBJ, <gasps> his management firm. No way! So, <laughs> I uh, originally asked her about Top Funny Comedian. She couldn't give me any information. Like, ref- <laughs> No, she refused to give you any information. She refused to give me information. <laughs> she was, the, the fact that she responded to us at all shows that she's given 110% in her job. Like, yeah. It was honestly, an automated email. <laughs> honestly, Millie, we salute you. Um, on the 17th of May, I emailed her, subject line, a quick Mr. Bean question, in brackets, please help. <laughs> She's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, no, I know what it is. Hey, Millie, long time no talk. How are you? Sorry for disturbing you on this Sunday evening. I hope you're staying as safe as possible given the current global climate. I just wanted to see if you could possibly help me with a quick question I have regarding the original Mr. Bean movie. Bean, the ultimate disaster movie, otherwise known as Bean 1997, which has been a case... Sorry, which has been a cause of many, many heated debates on the A Three Bean Salad podcast. <laughs> which she's atta- definitely listened to. <laughs> which she has confirmed that she has listened to. I have attached a link to a scene from the film in which Rowan Atkinson tours LA to the tune of I Love LA by Randy Newman. At approximately 1 minute and 10 seconds in the scene, there is a clip of Bean, Rowan Atkinson, handing out gifts to the Langley family, portrayed by Peter McNichol, Pamela Reed, Trisha Vesey, and Andrew Lawrence. As he hands out the gifts, Bean speaks, and it is this line that is spoken that has caused numerous arguments. Some of us believe, he says, Eggs Barbie and Bean, while others say it is Eggs Benedict indeed, amongst others. If there's any way you could possibly find out what this admittedly stupid and obscure line is, that would be terrific. I just want to very, 
I just want to bury this ugly hatchet with my two best friends once and for all. Once again, I hope you are keeping well. May there be peace in the lives of you and your loved ones. Kind regards, Jack Rudden of a three bean salad. Oh my god. Millie responded the next day. Hello again, Jack. I'm afraid... That is the most passive hello again. (laughs) I'm I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that question, but my feeling would be that it's egg, Barbie, and bean. Yes! As that depicts the presence on the other hand. On the other hand, it could be a double entendre for silly comic questioning. Sorry for the less than helpful answer. Either way, I am glad you and the lads of the three bead salad are well. Best wishes, M. Yes. I responded, hey, Millie, your answer has been extremely helpful as you are an additional no, member hasn't. of what I believe is the correct side of this <laughs> argument. Thank no. you for your quick response, Millie, and yes. I hope you're keeping safe. Kind regards, oh, Jack. No, that's she's literally just going off a hunch. How do we know she didn't just listen to our last episode and just agree with the first one she heard? Instead of listening to the clip I fucking sent her. Yeah. <laughs> the the minute long clip. <laughs> Look. You're going off a hunch. You're you're taking her hunch as Bible. What's your evidence then? You, do you have a? Do you want? Do you want to know my evidence? Do you want to know my evidence? Go on. Uh, Eggs, you... Barbie, indeed. <laughs> you are a piece of shit. You can't <laughs> agree on the eggs and Barbie and not agree on the bean. Well, look, I... jo- Jordana has uh, different takes that are oh, uh, very interesting. No, so I... The, the first few times I listened to it, I kept hearing eggs bowling at jeans. <laughs> <laughs> because none of those things are in context but My also we also feeling... have to keep in mind that nothing will make sense because there can't be any contexts it's just a, <laughs> it just means nothing <laughs> well yesterday when i was watching it i watched it with subtitles and it was blank but he definitely is saying something and it feels like to me is that he's not actually mouthing it it just kind of got lost in the edit of it Mm. <laughs> it's just a weird overlap but the problem is the reason why you can't hear the third word is because of the way the drum <laughs> the drums are going in the song yeah. so you yes. can't hear it that's exactly it drowns I, it out for ages i was thinking it was eggs benedict and bean because the drums <laughs> when i slowed it down to 0.25 percent um <laughs> you can hear during the uh, barbie or benedict or bowling or whatever it is uh, the drums kind of fit in perfectly with the syllables of what he's saying yeah. so it makes it sound longer than what it is or or because it's so slow i'm mistaking syllables for drums i'm really not sure which way it is um i, I was just going to oh, say i feel like if there's somebody you can contact that would tell you i genuinely think you would have luck contacting kevin or contacting the um um, Jennifer, because yeah. I reckon one of them would have Instagram. One uh, of them would have Instagram that you could just DM. You know that's strange. We've never that's... considered contacting any of the actors, have we? No. And I honestly think too that they would probably love it because it's probably from like a nice chapter of their lives. Oh, well, and, like, imagine they'd probably appreciate that people are appreciating it. Yeah, I mean, like being involved in this movie in any way surely has to be like um, 
Oh, I would love it. Yeah, no, it has to be a perfect point in your life, like, to be involved in this. <laughs> Imagine being Kevin and having, like, a photo of you dressed up as Mr. Bean with Mr. Bean. <laughs> uh, just quickly, too, I was thinking a lot about your theory as to whether or not Bean just went around the house and grabbed things and rewrapped them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of willing to accept that he did, because um, <laughs> it does seem like such a <laughs> such a Mr. Bean thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it kind of doesn't really make much sense for Allison to unwrap eggs and go, oh, there they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's definitely I mean, to, just took them like that morning and she was really pissed off about it. <laughs> to add to that as well. He def- but then it doesn't make much sense because of the suit that he that Kevin gets. Mm, and the so pots of laxatives. The, the theory of him rewrapping gifts doesn't make much sense when he has a, uh, a suit for Kevin, but then also Kevin having an outfit for him doesn't really make much sense. They yeah, were that... hoots, clearly. <laughs> I reckon, they were I, together. I, I'm willing to, to, go, to vouch for the, um, the rewrapping of just household items. Uh, I mean, the it's very bean. I mean, it's yeah, very it has bean. To be. but and that's I'll, why, I'll... like, I don't know. I that's why I I don't. Well, no, that's not why. There's completely unrelated. But it just can't be eggs, bar- Barbie, and bean <laughs> because that makes no sense. Because then the laxatives just aren't mentioned, which would like, you know, if you're going to mention three of the objects, why wouldn't you mention well, all four? So that I, maybe can't he be. Forgot. I'm sure he only mentions like two, and he says indeed. I don't think Mr. Bean could pronounce laxatives. I'm willing to vouch for the rewrapping of household items thing, because I, I I reckon Bean blew all his cash in that fucking bar, or he lost his wallet while he was yeah. drunk. I don't know. Are we are we actually going to assume that Bean paid for any of those drinks and it wasn't David buying every single one? Because I find it hard to believe that Bean carries money. If a if a man came into my life and ruined like a painting that I greatly admire, and you know. Co- essentially cost me my job I wouldn't buy him a drink uh, <laughs> that's well, just I me mean, yeah but you know David he's like the biggest wet wipe of a person ever like I mean everyone walks all over him yeah, do we um, really know if uh, if Be- was Bean two things was Bean actually drinking do we ever actually see him drinking in the film uh, and therefore no. do we actually know that he's drunk or is he just I think he's probably just copying David's behaviour because then that would explain how he so perfectly pulls off the well, heist. There is a passage in Mr. Bean's fair. scrapbook that uh, describes this very scene. I'll see if I can pull it up. Uh, ah, here we are. Uh, I can tell you, after downing six or seven rather pretty drinks with fruit and umbrellas in them, <laughs> it could have been Christmas for all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so he was drunk. He's pissed. Yeah, yeah. And the I can't booze... believe that he pulled that off. It goes on. <laughs> and the booze certainly made David forget that he was going to die in prison, probably ho-hum. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was absolutely fucked. He was definitely just... That's so gross, though, that he then just sat at the kitchen drinking a carton of milk. (laughs) (laughs) And then he... I always find it interesting that Bean knows how to drive, but he doesn't take the car. Because to me, that seems so much more Mr. Bean than skateboarding. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe he doesn't know where the keys are. Skateboarding is like a... I feel like if he knows where all these, like, secret things are around the house... I feel like he would know where the keys are. That's a good point. And we, me and Chat did mention the skateboard uh, yesterday in that 
It's, yeah. it's only slightly faster than walking. Yeah, like, skateboards aren't that fast unless you really fucking lean into them on, like, a steep incline. Otherwise, they are, you know, quite slow. <laughs> and Bean <laughs> very clearly doesn't the, the know how to skateboard. The art gallery is up a hill. Yeah. yeah. The art gallery is up a hill. What the mm. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, it would make more sense for him to drive. But, of course, starting the car would be noisy. But then again, mm. David was really drunk. But it, mm. it, driving the car to the gallery might alert the guard. <laughs> That's that is fair. true. That's really fair. And you really did we, think of everything. And we wouldn't have the gag of Bean hitting his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is another moment that, again, the music and the action is just so like perfectly timed. That whole hey, scene man. is just perfect. And anyway, I will we've say... Been, uh, We've been Hold going on. for about an hour and a half, so should we start wrapping up? No, not yet. Um, when you guys were all cut- <laughs> when you guys were cutting out, I decided uh, while we had a bit of dead air, I'd go and uh, look up uh, Kevin and Jennifer. So oh, okay. Jennifer oh, yeah. has Jennifer has a contact email. Nice. Um, <gasps> that you can we can get in contact with her. And she doesn't. She has a whole website she's made, uh, which doesn't really have a whole lot on it, um, but a big but a big email address. So uh, and then also Kevin. Who has been? Do- I also found um, Jennifer on Instagram. She's a private account. She supports Bernie, um, and she Amen. has oh, right she, she has an extremely low follower account. Uh, not nearly as as much as she deserves. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, on the other hand, is doing amazing for himself. Sixty six thousand followers. He's been in loads of movies every year. Whoa, he played. Right he was the voice of T J Detweiler from Recess. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's insane. <laughs> That's crazy. Um. Trying to think, what else was he? Uh, he was in. He was in Bones. Do you guys remember Bones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember Bones. That yeah, that show was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, what? he oh, did yeah. a bunch of voices in Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls. Um, as told by Ginger. Uh, yeah, he's had a great uh CSI. Uh, he's had a great <laughs> um a great life. He did a Dead Rising three. Um. Battlefield 4, he did loads of voices in there. Anyway, yeah, I'm just no reading way. this Wikipedia now. But uh, both of them have Instagrams and contact emails, so I think maybe during we the next uh, get few weeks. I, I mean, will, if uh... we could get them on as guests, that'd be amazing. Oh, oh it'd be incredible. <laughs> I definitely couldn't see them saying no. I mean, especially... I, surely it would be a nice trip down memory lane. What if Kev... we... What if we got both of them on on the same episode but didn't tell them the other was appearing? <laughs> <laughs> but we told them Whoa. to do the interview in character. <laughs> Can we please do this? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, we'll try and get them, uh, try and get them together. Um, but yeah, um, Jordana, do you have any uh, any other theories or any other uh, big notes you'd like to uh, you'd like to get off your chest? I mean, sure, look, we can always have you back. A side note, a <laughs> little bit of a side note here, but there's definitely ties with this film and pretty much all other Richard Curtis films. Oh, okay. Because oh, yeah. Rowan Atkinson is in Love Actually, which mm. is a, a Richard Curtis film, and his role in that is the like the bumbling uh, jewellery assistant. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the opposite he, of bumbling in that. He's professional to a point. Yeah, he's too much. He's too much. <laughs> but he's but bumbling in his in how that, much he is. Yeah. So I've I've read a theory about him. His name's Rufus, Rufus. 
And he is in love, actually, and he's representative of being an angel because of how he rises up from behind the counter. And what oh people God. believe is, is that the reason why he is being so over the top is because he's trying to, his character is trying to push uh, Alan Rickman's character away from making a mistake and having the affair. Mm. So I sort of saw a tie into that with Bean and Bean kind of in a mucked up way actually fixing David's marriage. Oh. Mm, definitely. Because, I mean, as David says, like she was going to leave him anyway. <laughs> yeah. And also other Richard Curtis films that uh, Rowan Atkinson's in, uh, most notably Love Actually. Um, um, not Love Actually, sorry. Um, Four cut Weddings. That. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. yeah. So he plays the uh, the marriage celebrant. Um, who's very much like a, another version of Mr. Bean. But in Four Weddings and a Funeral, I kind of found uh, Hugh Grant's character to be very similar to David um, because there's lots of sort of character flaws um, in that there's there's a lot of, like, hints to, like, affairs and a male not really knowing what he's doing in his love life. And I just sort of found those tie-ins really similar. But... All Richard Curtis films, so I'm talking Love Actually, Four Wings and a Funeral, Notting Hill and Bean, they all have like the undertone sort of like melancholy vibe where they make you really happy and really feel good, but they also simultaneously make you sad. Ooh. Ah. A master of themes. <laughs> did he yeah. or did he not write the, one of the other greatest films of all time, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again? Oh, fuck. Yes, he did. That is true. Yes, he definitely did. And that film pissed off a lot of audiences, too, because of what it did. <laughs> it's one of my, I saw it but eight also, times in, in Mamma Mia. In Mamma Mia, um, of course, Colin Firth has a bit of a sexual awakening as well. Yeah, it That's turns true. out at the end of that film, he's gay. And, yeah. and his and, and Colin Firth's character's name in Mamma Mia is David Langley. So, I mean, like, surely that has to... <laughs> <laughs> um, I How have I never noticed of, that? <laughs> a couple of more notes I have. Um, I've got here that Bean is an angel of death. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of reasons why I think that is in the boardroom. You've got the tombstones. You've also got the, um, you've got the huge bullets. Yeah. But yeah. then there's a third thing which I noticed, and it's in one shot and then it disappears, is that there's a shot of Bean, and behind him there's two water dispensers, and as soon as I looked at it, I thought that they were the Twin Towers. Oh, And I was like, no. Shit! <laughs> I mean, we've got a, t a terrorist incident happening in an airport. Oh my god. There oh. just seems to be so much death around this one character. Yeah. Um, what else do I have here? I love that you guys said about how Ma coming home is actually, she does actually get to go home. And it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful ending. Um, <laughs> oh, the ending is fantastic. It just, it makes you just well with emotion, I think. Because oh, it builds up to the way it crescendos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I've also got a note here, David. Uh, I quote, David saying just eight times. There's a part where he's he's talking to Bean and he's just going, just, just, just. just, just. just. <laughs> Some of his dialogue is so strange. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I like that Bean has a Casio calculator watch. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, one here. Oh, this is my favourite moment. This used to make me cry as a kid, guys. Uh, so I've got... It's so cute how Bede is embraced at the end after his speech, probably only time in his life, crying emoji face. <laughs> and then after it, after it, I've got... Um, it was a big deal for Bean to hug David. Oh. So what I mean by that is when David hugs Bean and Bean rejects it and is all awkward and then he runs back and he does that beautiful big hug, after he does the hug, you can see that he's actually, like, almost impressed with himself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, and I think that's, that's just so beautiful. It is. I mean, that, so whole, that whole scene is just being like, so happy. Not that everything's turned out all right for him, but he's just happy to see David finally happy. Oh, yeah, but it so shatters lovely. me as well because the scene, it, like, gives you, like, a comfortable place to stand, but then it rips the rug out from underneath you when uh, David's like to him, oh, you can come back anytime, and then Bean's all happy, and then he's, like, in, in the faraway future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it shatters me every time. I'm like, <laughs> David, you asshole. <laughs> but as a child, I remember I always wanted to see, like, a sequel, and I always used to think, like, wow, I wonder what happened after this movie. Like, did they keep in touch? And I think it's so cute that he has, like, the photos in his house. Yeah, it's so yeah. lovely. I'd love if, like, there was, like, a an, another, like, Mr. Bean at some stage and it's set in his air. Like, you see his house and you still see the photos of, like, David and his family up yeah. where you still see, like, Mr.'s mother. Yeah. That'd be lovely. Well, I said this uh, in a message. So Richard Curtis films, they always do the uh, the Red Nose Day specials. Mm. So they did uh they did a love actually follow up and they also did a four weddings and a funeral follow up and I think it would be so amazing if they did like a, a Bing goes back to LA follow up or something. <laughs> or like oh, if they if they ended up in England to see him. Oh, but I mean the odds of that happening. The England are very, Gallery very buys small. buys a painting and they need LA's greatest scholar. <laughs> so yeah. they call over David and he stays <laughs> at Bean's Curtis. house. <laughs> Oh. Get on board with us. We've got ideas, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got Richard Curtis's Instagram page? Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure he's not a hard man to get in touch with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one viewing which was yesterday for me, I took uh, 31 notes. So, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a bit of an endless book on this. I just love talking about it. I mean, well, look, you drive everyone nuts. Yeah, you're welcome to come back another week. <laughs> yeah, you're you're welcome to come back whenever in the, in you the want. In the faraway future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's, it genuinely is so nice to have a fresh perspective on uh, on this, especially seeing as we. I, I feel like we're a bit not bogged down in it, but it's just like I feel like watching this movie has become such a part of my routine. Like every three weeks, I'm just like. Oh yeah, I'm watching Bean. I'd say it doesn't even occur to me that I'm watching a movie. It's just like, oh, I gotta, yeah. I gotta go, work. I gotta, I gotta do work now. I gotta go to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it is nice to have a fresh perspective where you know, uh, someone that isn't as uh, bogged down in the, I don't know, just this weird ritualistic like. <laughs> I don't want to call oh, it. I definitely understand it though. Oh, it's re- it's just really nice for me. Like I said, I've always had so many thoughts, and I've always wondered to myself, is there anybody out there that this film has had a similar effect on? And over the years, I've kind of looked on like message forums, like, but the film really globally on the internet is it's pretty dead. 
Um, yeah, which is so horrible. it is really it's it's nice and it's a really nice release just to like be able to chat about it and just laugh about it really. Yeah, I'd almost like to not talk about the other two films anymore and just do Bean every <laughs> week, you know. <laughs> 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 That's um, very fair. But yeah. Anyway, um, shall we uh, move on to the mailbag, I suppose? Yeah, maybe oh, we yeah. should. Our mailbag is brimming with questions. And of course, uh-huh. we have Ooh. the mailbag theme. It's the mailbag, it's the mailbag, it's the mailbag, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, guess who forgot to put up the question sticker yesterday? <laughs> that's our first question. Oh, no. It's, uh... <laughs> You. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, we don't have any questions from last week's Reddit AMA left over. Nope. So All gone. <laughs> our one and only question, which is a question we got late last week after we finished recording, it is from Mr. Gavin Lawless, and it is, how can you sleep at night after your massacring of Mr. Bean's holiday, bastards? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, for anyone not in the know, um... Jack and Butch both have not liked their holiday the last uh, the last two rounds. Although I still I still love it, but uh, the magic has worn thin on them. Uh, Gavin Lawless being the biggest holiday supporter uh, ever, probably. Um, obviously, isn't taking too kind to this. So I mean, like you know, if you guys want to uh, try and defend yourselves, but realistically, I kind of think right. you guys should just be because kicked off the podcast. Because it's a bad movie Gavin that sucks. Should... See, I okay, don't even you don't think even that think that. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't even think that it's a bad movie, but I'm just it just doesn't work for me anymore. And I'm so Gavin, I hope we can still be friends. I miss you, bud. Gavin, uh, I'm on your side here. Holiday is class. These two are idiots. I uh, mean, I won't argue with you there, but <laughs> Jordana, uh, what's your uh, what's your views <laughs> on holiday? The only scene that I like in holiday is where Matt Willis has crashed something. <laughs> yes, I love that scene. Because it's fun. It, it is, is fun. fun. The rest of the film, there's no characters that really stand out to me other than Willem Dafoe, but that's because it's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that I kind of like is when Bean hijacks the projector. And he plays his own film, and it's got Willem Dafoe's narration. But I don't know the film. The film to me, although it's sort of meant to be sunny, it's just like it's, it's kind of just cold, and it's very. I find it just very dreary, and it just doesn't have that, that niceness to it. Uh, it strikes yeah, me as very artificial. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. a bad movie. It's just not being ninety-seven. Oh, well, what is? Good point. Nothing. <laughs> Arguably um, the greatest film that will ever be made. Oh, it is. Like, I didn't even think it was arguably. Yeah. No, I mean it just definitely is. Um. Uh, yeah. So no, anyway, I'm still on I the could sleep at train. night because uh, I, I, the last two viewings, I thought it was a bad movie that sucked. I, it will hopefully be better this viewing because I'll have someone watching it with me who I can bounce off of. Amen. Uh, but you know, Sherlock, we'll find that out next week. That is the only question we had. <laughs> Shall we get on to the Patreons? Rob, have you got the Patreons ready, you fuck? You fucking know I do, baby. Uh, You've said that the last three weeks, to be fair. Yeah, and at this time I actually do. <laughs> Our first Patreon is Adam Redmond. 
Under the Reckoning. Our second patron is Mrs. H. Oh my god! Mishka Mushka H. Our third patron is Jack Kavanaugh. Jambin Kanswanka. <laughs> and our fourth patron is Andy Kinsler. If you want your name read out in this section, go to patreon.com forward slash freebeansaladpod. That is the word free. Donate $5 or more per month. You can donate as little as $1 if you want. It keeps us not hungry. So, uh, Rob, it's your turn to plug the socials. We are on Twitter at 3beansaladpod. We are on Instagram at 3beansaladpod. Both of them is the number three. Butch, I'll do it. We do not have (laughs) Facebook. We have an email, uh, which nobody uses. Um, Well, we're going to use it to contact Jennifer and and Kevin. Yeah, I just wish we got some, like, long-form questions on our email, you know? Uh, Send us us your your insights, your paragraphs, your theories. Um, (laughs) Request to be on the show. Send us your legal threats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, J- Jordana sent us a beautiful email, and now, look, she's on the show, you know? Yay! I was so scared sending that email. It was going <laughs> to go one of two ways. I was going to be either totally insane or fully embraced. <laughs> I, I mean, mean defi- definitely yeah, both. Yeah, you're both. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you're... Uh, I won't, I won't uh, but we all that. we all are, to be honest. Yeah. Um, our email is 3beansaladsociety at gmail.com that is the word 3 um, we sometimes post AMAs on reddit but only when we uh, completely forget to ask for questions and um, even then sometimes not yeah then yeah, sometimes not um, I think that's kind of everything to I, I, I worked hard on the Patreon shoutouts so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do them again music list just so that they fully shine Amen A Reckoning <laughs> Anger kids with healing. Jambin can't swank. Rob! Jambin can't Why does it sound like that? Why does it sound like that, Rob? It's just not their names, like. Mishka Mushka H. I like Mishka Mushka H. <laughs> I just put on a Scottish accent, so uh, she's pronouncing them slightly weirdly. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, I'm ready to say farewell. Amen to that. <laughs> you have thank to you say it though in, in uh, Fiend's farewell voice. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have anything you'd like to, to shout out or uh, anything you'd like to give note to or... Or any socials you want to shout out or anything? No, I think I'm uh, fairly well sort of beamed out for the evening. For the past 24 <laughs> hours, I've been talking a lot of beans. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, well, look, it's been, so, uh, a, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, this absolutely. Is absolutely. And please, lovely. please, please feel free to come back literally whenever you would like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. Thank you for uh, not being a David on that one. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unreal. Well, look, goodbye. Farewell. Farewell. Farewell.